Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Learning Grounds. My name is Zach Chase, and in this episode, I sat down with Christina Cantrill and Danielle Filipiak at the Digital Media and Learning Conference put on by the MacArthur Foundation a month and a half ago in Chicago, because I'm really good at getting podcast episodes together. Uh, Christina, Danielle, and I got to talk about connected learning and uh, using MacArthur Foundation's principles of connected learning to start the conversation and then moving on to some practical implications beyond that. Their work in the classroom, their work with teachers, their work all over the place. It was a fantastic conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. If you want to find Christina online on the Twitter, she is at C, that's S-E-E-C-A-N-T-R-I-L-L, or you can find Danielle at at Flipster33. Both of them I recommend following their fantastic, fantastic people, great voices in the wilderness of education. Also, if you are enjoying the Learning Grounds podcast, please look us up on the iTunes store, uh, rate us, review us, and uh, let the world know how wonderful Learning Grounds is. All right, thanks. If you have a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Learning Grounds. We are recording. That's exciting. Um, so, hi, who are you? <laughs> I'm uh, Christina Cantrell. I um, work for the National Writing Project. I get to work with amazing teachers like all of you and learn from you all, which is what I love to do. Um, and we're here, I mean, Pizza Bagel and Einstein <laughs> Brothers in Chicago on St. Patty's weekend. You really set the stage. That yes. was really nice. <laughs> and I who got, are you? I got to follow up with that. Um, I'm Danielle Filipiak. Um, I also work for Digital Is, um, National Writing Project. And I'm a doc student at uh, Teachers College in the English Ed Department. And I'm coming off of 10 years of teaching in Detroit. And I really enjoyed today seeing the green water. Yeah, the river is. Yeah. It's traditional green. It's interesting, though, is that the river is always kind of a shade of green. Right, right, right. And, but Chicago's like, no, we're going to make it look like we did this on purpose. Phosphorescent. Uh, <laughs> and we're all at the Digital Media and Learning Conference right now. What are you, what are you guys learning this weekend? Yeah. A ton? A little? Nothing at all? Thinking about a Yeah, I'm thinking about a lot, certainly. I think I'm learning a lot, too. But um, we were just talking about some of the tensions mm-hmm. in the conference, um, just among, well, you know, knowing that, the, talking about connected learning and sort of all the, uh, well represented, you know, but this is what my thing is, you know, sort of thinking about connected learning and all the great ways that we can build connected environments and then knowing that people in the room are, are create have been creating connected environments for a while you know maybe not at scale or <laughs> right i burned myself on I my know. coffee <laughs> oh. keep talking okay? yes scale <laughs> still let my eyes water for yeah, a second soda. i'm good <laughs> it's really just pain it's over now well just knowing sort of that tension about knowing that some people whether they're in education or youth organizing or in media, um, been doing youth media work for many, many years and have really deep uh, wells of knowledge around Mm -hmm. how to do some of this stuff and um, how, and and wanting to sort of like 
really have some time to work together to think, how do we connect these pieces? How do right. we sort of, you know, um, and, and then also how do we fund these pieces? Right. And, you know, how do we, like knowing that there's, there's so many communities of practice that really should be talking to one another and informing one another, and, how to, and just thinking about how to start to build that. Um, I don't know. So in the last session that we just had, um, it was more round tables and people sitting around mm -hmm. talking, and that felt like I, I felt like I it broke open for a moment. Like, right. Oh, good. Let's like just sit and talk Let's to each other. Keep the conversation going. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Re it's really interesting because one of the pieces I see is like in like I know National Writing Project is doing some work in Oakland in the schools there yeah. in civic engagement. And Paul and I talked about that. Um, and hearing things today and, and thinking like, okay, so we heard from uh, Harry Potter Alliance this morning and like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if they're like, what is the activation of fandom and Spanish culture in Oakland and how might that ally itself with civic engagement and the efforts that are going on there? Mm -hmm. And not the creation of anything new, mm -hmm. um, but it looks so often, especially since there's a, so many nonprofit pieces here and not necessarily like K-12 pieces, like uh -huh. public school pieces, how do you align and find common cause? Like, like Writing Project has its funding, Harry Potter has its funding, yeah. or Harry Potter Alliance has its funding, and not necessarily need new sources of revenue to do this work, but like, oh, we're already pushing in the same direction? What if we saturated this spot mm -hmm. with with the efforts that are going on here. Like, right. what if everybody was on the ground in the same place? And, and rather than, oh, let's build this new thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's, like, kind of the concern that I had is that there is so much happening at the ground level, mm -hmm. and it seems like there's been an acknowledgement that there's this, like, wealth of knowledge that many of these organizations bring that aren't attached to any foundation money or minimal foundation money or non-sustainable foundation money. And right. the question is, like, there are assets that many of these communities already have, and they're generating their own um, media pieces, and then generating their own um, kind of knowledge banks. Mm -hmm. You know that they're trying, that they're drawing from, but um, it's difficult to, to sustain them. They're not receiving the funding. They're not receiving enough to expand the efforts and to, and to keep their work going. And so I think one of the conversations that we were having earlier is like having lots of experience in some of those grassroots um, initiatives and grassroots organizing, um, having that perspective and coming into a place that kind of feels so privileged where you know there's lots of people in the room who are in positions of power or do have money and they're talking about connected learning. Right. Um, and, some as, and some are talking about it in a way as though it's never been done before, but then also knowing on the ground that there are many communities who have been working on these initiatives for a long time but are not in this conversation enough or are not receiving the funding that they need or not being even acknowledged, it's, it's hard sometimes to deal with those tensions. So, you know, I kept on thinking, I had several conversations throughout the conference with people who were, like, struggling and mm -hmm. hustling in this conference. Right. Like, who do we need to meet? Yeah. Like, uh, and we started thinking, well, how can we, they, how can we share our ideas about how we are able to maintain ourselves without relying on foundation money. So right. like Detroit Future Schools, for instance, you know, one of the initiatives that Detroit Future Youth is they created a curriculum mixtape. 
and they're trying to sell, you know, curriculum that right. they can generate some income to keep the hotel. But um, I'm really curious about this work, but also like the sustainability. Like, what are we going to do to make sure that we're like, really expanding on this idea of connected learning, growing it, and not necessarily imposing from the top down? Well, and it, and um, so. It, some, a lot of these initiatives have intellectual capital behind them, have social capital, and have cultural capital, and that gets you moving. It feels like you know, like this is a but as a volunteer effort, um, or you know, like I have my day job and then I have the job I do with my passion, right? And that pays me back in that kind of that's how I get reimbursed. And looking at well, at what point does is that not enough, right? At what point does economic capital need to enter into the field? Um, and I do think that's really interesting and how much is enough, right? Because sometimes that can dilute mission, right? We, oh, yeah, like they're asked to dilute their mission. Exactly. To get this, to you get have to money. shape to go this way. And I right. worry that that, that that changes things in a way. I was at, in a panel uh, yesterday on kind of democratic uh, citizenship and digital democracy citizenship and digital natives and how they contribute and one of the pieces was how do you how do you build that capacity um, and, and what do you need to, to drive what you're trying to do and I don't know the answer to that but I'm really curious as to as how, how you move forward I think we were talking about that at a table with Chris Gutierrez and some other folks and um I think we need places where we can share our stories. Uh -huh. And you know, I think that's something that digital is, is trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to make a case that people need to hear stories. Because I don't think that it's necessarily, sometimes in terms of foundations, um, this work is off their radar. Or administrators in school districts who might like to try some of this work around connected learning need more models. Like right. We have to do a better job of telling the story mm -hmm. or creating platforms for these organizations and for young people and artists and organizers to kind of tell about the work that they're doing so that we're aware of, you know, what, what is going on. And I think, you know? the, and part of what also came up in my conversation yesterday was with Paul was we also need to think much better about audience, right? Because telling your story is one thing, but telling it in a way that people want to hear yeah, is, a, is a different thing, right? There are, people, there are these foundations that maybe would give money and you having like a beautiful, touching story well-crafted isn't yeah. necessarily going to get you their money, but it is that, like, how do I say the things with words that are what you are looking to hear? Well, I was saying to Danielle that, you know, part of what I'd like to see, and I don't know how well one moves it, but it's sort of, like, if, you know, I keep thinking about these communities of practice, so these practitioners, and, you know, I'm sort of always working with adults, so, um, you know, being able to talk to each other and sort of come up with, you know, some sort of shared visions around points of connected learning that feel, you know, like some common language, mm -hmm. you know, to sort of like move forward on and maybe some points to work on together. So whether it's like a focus on like media production is the point, but the language around connected, it, it's, you know, it's situated. So is it, uh, is it similar to like the open standard of the badges that Mozilla just opened up? Like, I think that's a really interesting parallel, yeah. Right, like here, like to get a badge, here's what we need. Like here's the kind of data yeah, you need. Here's parallel. here's the mechanism for how we do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, but also different because it's such a diverse 
landscape in a, mm -hmm. in a completely different way. Like if I know I want to talk about badges, mm -hmm. Googling that, finding Mozilla, just because of the way Google works, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to lead me to that thing. But finding somebody, like if I'm in Seattle, mm -hmm. finding somebody in the middle of Missouri mm -hmm. who's doing similar work and coming up with common <laughs> language, much more difficult. Yeah. Like, yeah. So how do you set up that kind of network? And I think digital is does that to a point. I don't know that it's exactly the, the mechanism to get there. Right. Um, or, and I'm not sure what is the mechanism to get there. Like, how do you craft that common language? Well, I do think that these, like, I keep thinking about um, even Philadelphia to begin with. Like, like some, some of this happening in local face-to-face -face mm -hmm. communities, and then some of it happening in online spaces, too. Okay. Like, like, that combination feels like... So the Hive, I think, is an interesting design of um, educators who are working in, our mentors who are working in informal spaces for right. kids, right? So that's like a community practice. And then there's this, you know, what are the other sort of communities that we can connect on the local level and then how to bridge those pieces online with how, you know, what are some of the designs that people are coming up with together? Like, what's it actually start to look like um, on the ground? And um, I don't know, um, I don't think digital is quite does it at all. I mean, I think that we do need more tools um, and also more, you know, like, I mean, I think podcasts like this or, you know, opportunities to just sort of sit and brainstorm and right. then share those brainstorms, those sort of works in progress and that thinking through, um, you know, teachers and gene teachers, I always think is such a helpful design of sort of like, or actually Mozilla also does their work. I think they have interesting ways of organizing their work because they do all their work in the public, right? right. So they'll everything come up with open. a framework that, and then they just have these open calls and everything's open and it's like all iterative, mm -hmm. right? So it's really taking that sort of constantly iterative approach. Um, but how to do that with busy lives, like to figure out, you know. Well, in the, in the schedule of a school day. Yeah. That sort of where, what, yeah. Tell me the 30 minutes of free time the teacher has that they're not using. Right. And it is maybe when they're at lunch, but still right. tutoring five students in the middle of their day. Right? Like, how do you how do you shift that in? And one of something that is occurring to me as we talk is like, what if what if you get a school leader to say, for every faculty meeting, we're gonna run it like a conference session, right? And and we'll give you space as a teacher. Not the whole meeting, maybe, like if we have an hour and a half, I'll give you 30 minutes to run a conference session on writing across the curriculum or like scientific method in a cross-disciplinary sort of way and, and talk to the whole faculty and lead a, lead a session on that. And that might be a space mm -hmm. to start that conversation. Right, 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 right. Um, and how interesting that would be, again, teacher-led, kind of the teacher teaching teachers yeah. model and, and approach to things, but giving some space there. Yeah, I mean, I, want, I do wonder, it's like, like wh however the communities are designed, how can we like find spaces for this kind of right. conversation within those communities and then start to connect those? Mm -hmm. So as your community is your school community, you know that's a distinct space to sort of figure out the design problem of this. And then if, you know you're a larger community practice like a national network. Where's the space to do that? And then, you know, well, and or how do you listen? Nonprofit communities. Yeah, but you're still connected. I mean, I I feel like. Yeah, I've been to idealist.org so many times and thought, wow, this is not doing what I would expect it to do, right? This is a site that is all about connecting nonprofits and 
and organizations and, and work. And you would think there would be a more kind of proactive mission-based piece to it mm -hmm. that I just don't see springing up there. Well, I just, I wonder if, I mean, I just wonder, like one of my things that I'd like to just open as an inquiry is like how helpful was the language around connected learning? How helpful is some of this stuff to have shared um, to facilitate dialogue around this? Like do these principles actually help to have conversations? Because I do think that, I'm not sure Idealist has like a, a theory of action. That, no, yeah, and I think. That you can work around. Right. But what I've noticed, like what I've learned at the writing project is when you have something to work on together, mm -hmm. that's where it starts to right. go. Right. What's the problem we're trying to solve? Yeah. And so. then everybody can at least know that that's the direction they're working toward. Um, no, you go ahead. Well, it's like it sounds like what keeps on emerging is like two concepts, right? Like relationships and um, inquiry. Mm -hmm. And it's really just talking about relationships and inquiry across spaces in ways that are useful and generative in very humanizing ways, right? I mean, we want students to have a particular skill set, but we just keep on going back to, excuse me, I'm choking on chips. <laughs> um, we just keep on going back to these two concepts, you know? And I think that, you know, what that looks like might be very different across spaces. It depends on context, you know? And I think sometimes we tend to think that we can kind of nail down a way of doing this and um, it makes us feel better about it. But I think that what relationships look like and the inquiry um, is going to look different based upon where you're at. Um, but I think we need to start really thinking about, you know, the kinds of practices that need to be in place to support connected learning, mm -hmm. learning and provide examples of those practices. And specifically, as like truly relevant um, and sustainable practices, so that uh, it's generative for whatever community is engaged in the work and allowing them to come to a, a, a mutual understanding and vocabulary to discuss. You know, that can connected learning work in their context. Um, so what? Yeah. What isn't connected learning? So like I, 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 I feel I, like we could define what is connected learning, but I think it's more helpful to know like, oh, th this is what it isn't. So I'm real worried about this. Like, um, <clears throat> well, I keep I keep pulling out this one blog that Chris Lehman wrote <laughs> um, about personalized learning. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing about designing infrastructures, you know, it's very much about content delivery. Mm -hmm. um, a, 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 a focus that, if, if your focus is on education, is a, is a content delivery system, then these systems are being created for content delivery that, you know, um, that kids can engage with. And so, you know, when you hear, so you hear people talking about um, in, say, let's say, teacher contract negotiations, for instance, right? That like, let's raise, take off the cap on teacher size because we can be inventive and do lots of things, or on class size, we can do lots of things um, with blended learning and stuff. So we can, you know, and and to me, it's like you don't. Uh, that stuff worries me because you don't do blended learning to deal with austerity measures. Right now. Right. You actually like. What can we have them do? Right. Like what, what new opportunities are you creating for students to, to learn? Right. And what concerns me is that the blended opportunities that are being thought about are more like warehousing kind right. of 
like teaching methods of delivery, content delivery. And then you see all these, so when South by Southwest was going, and you know, there's all this new technology that, um, that is not about content creation. So I guess one of the things that I really want to push on in terms of connected learning and to answer your question directly is to say like, is it a creative process? Or like, are people creating in it? Are they like content producers and not just consumers? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that might be a distinction. Okay. You know, like if, if you're not producing content, if you can't actually like contribute and facilitate your own, uh, some aspect of your own learning path, is it connected learning? And so, um, and I'm sure there's nuance, you know, there's stuff in there too we can really get to, but I feel like there's there's a little bit of a line there. And, and so maybe at its best, connected learning is creation. Right? There's crea so. a component of creation going on. I think that production-centered piece is a pretty And if I'm not creating, piece. are we still counting it connected as connected learning, or are we saying, no, creation has to be part of the game? I think it does need to be part of the process. Right? I mean, we're not living in an age anymore where it's like, necessary for our survival to understand like processes of consumption like we have to you know and it seems as though that is what schools are prioritizing not everywhere I, I'm a hopeful I'm optimist but I do think creation is really um, essential especially like when we have an unknown future mm -hmm. you know how do you prepare for an unknown future I mean creation seems to be an embracing your role as a creator and producer it? seems to be really important and not necessarily the product but the process and the self-concept that are informed by that like we need young people who like believe in their ability to create and connect to others and you know and, and I'm going to go back to that relational piece because I think that it's really important that we talk about it in the context of this conversation because um, you know the same inequities can remap themselves onto these new spaces if we're not careful, careful yeah. about centering relationships well I wonder though in, you know, in, like, like there's some, we're sit, look at us now right you know we're sitting here eating a meal together and fellowshipping and you know we're asking questions so again the two components relationships and inquiry are present in this generative conversation you know I worry that we don't talk about the, the importance of being a user at the same time right we're, the conversation in this group that we're that we've seen is all about helping people create things, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm a huge fan of creation, right? Um, but it, what's the point if we're not also helping people learn how to be good users, right? right? Like, and sort of community members or... Yeah, like, oh, oh if, if everybody's creating something but no one is using the things that are mm -hmm. being created, then you've just got a lot of stuff, right? Um, and more stuff will happen, and I worry about well, that. Well, like that, that's where the critical, like, you know, the critical piece comes in. So like, are you consuming without an awareness of like the systems that are in place um, and where you fit into those systems and what um, how your participate you know you, how your participate participation impacts those systems? Um, so I think that's like for me, and, you know, interested in English education. Like, um, are we thinking about teaching in ways that allow students and young people to have access to like critical media literacy, right. for instance, um, and really understand? Well, and focusing your creation on a need, right? This is Gardner's like mm -hmm. intelligence definition, like 
Are you solving a problem? Are you recognizing new problems? And are you creating something that is of use to the culture in which you reside? Mm -hmm. And I think we miss that part when we talk about, like, let's have kids be producers. Mm -hmm. right. Like, maker culture is great. If, if I'm making it for me, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But I would rather be helping kids and students of all ages be making something mm -hmm. like, what's the need? Okay, that's great. This is what, mm -hmm. why we like engineers. This is why we like designers. They don't come in, I mean, there's, by and large, they're not just saying, I made this. Yeah. Now you want it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I so I also agree, and I just want to push on um, just having a little bit, like what there, so I really agree. I think that there's lots of things about the maker movement that um, I think require that, that lens, especially when we're consuming <laughs> materials, you know, and producing materials. Right. Like there's a materiality and an environmentalism <laughs> within it all that, right. that you know, in, and in our our computer uses, is, you know, it's like profoundly affecting our environment, right? So, um, and I also think oh, that yeah. um, that making for making's sake is sometimes a healthy thing right. because you really can learn new ways to mold and craft your environment and understand how to how to manipulate things and how to change them and what their like their material nature is um, so um, and sometimes that ends up being like just another thing that you make right um, and then sometimes um, that can lead to a, no that could lead to a purpose that could open up a whole thing you know I mean the, um, to me, there's interesting spaces between sort of expert communities and hacker communities that I think are pretty fascinating. Right. And some of those, like, things that you never expect sort of open up all of a sudden because people aren't taking a path that's, like, you know, determined by an expert community. They're actually just experimenting or playing, right? Mm -hmm. So where, where do we create spaces for those things, too? Right. While also being aware of, like, purpose and I think that too when you're producing I mean let's compare this again let me go back to like reading and writing right you're gonna read differently if you're a writer you're gonna mm -hmm. read like a writer mm -hmm. you know so I think that like producing um, impact you see right like how you're consuming because you're aware of that and, I, and I'm fine with it right? if it has the thoughtfulness that we're talking right. about right now I don't hear that as being stressed in the conversation, mm -hmm. though. It's, yeah. It is about making kids into makers and making kids into producers of content. And because. And the next part of that <laughs> argument never gets made. Yeah. And I, the worry then becomes, oh, that sounds great. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. It leads to such an like, egocentric mm -hmm. and kind of almost megalomaniacal culture of, like, I did this for me. I did this for me. I did this for me. Um, mm -hmm. And not saying... What does your community need? Yeah. Like, okay, what can we make based on that question? Well, I mean, the whole um, interest-driven thing I thought it was fascinating. Ben um, from Colorado, from Boulder. Is he from Boulder? Ben Kirshner? Kirshner, yeah. yeah. So he opened up that conversation, um, or a panel, or he, the panel presented, and then he opened up the Q&A. We're talking about interest-driven as not just something you like, but actually something you have you and your community has an interest in. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's a, like a power. An investment interest. It, yeah. So the interest is about, you know, your 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 context and the power and mm -hmm. your relationship to it. And that's such a powerful frame, I think, around 
interest-driven work. Um, at the same time, you want to have space, I think, for you know something you really think is cool, and you don't really know how it fits into the larger right. scene right. yet, you know. But I do appreciate the 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 like that's why I said that I think the production thing is really key. Yet I think it needs a lot of unpacking. Like I really do think that it's it's not simple either. Um, but to me, if it's absent, then I would have a real worry. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But like, I, I yeah, I definitely agree. And, and and kids are better when they're making things. Students are better when they're making things. I'm they're more often going to learn when they're making. Um, and, and that definitely makes sense. It's just the why of it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that um, <clears throat> there's, you know, there's work that's around sort of the emancipation of the spectator. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and you know, if you look into um, performance theory at all, then they're, they're looking at, you know, there's a lot that's about, you know, interactive performance and being a, a member and you're part of the the performance and you are a performer and all that and you know and ball and the theater of the oppressed stuff gets into that right and then but then also sometimes you are the spectator and like the spectator is like a community member who's doing something in relation to right so I guess that Bao talks about spectator right but um, but that spectator piece is actually a really important piece so you know I think it's back to the critical literacy framework or whatever but um, uh, to be able to read the world, you know, but having that that relationship between the reading and the writing, I think, is just such an important mm -hmm. relationship. And so back to what connected learning isn't, I just think that if that is absent, if you don't have that opportunity um, to really deepen both the way you read and you write. Um, so, I don't know, I think we should keep pushing on it um, in the conversation. Is connected learning more than what's happening in my classroom? Like, can I can I not connect with any other classroom and still be doing connected learning? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an expansive. I think that's why I think it's such a strong model in that people are going to see connected learning in many different ways. I mean, I I think I was using a connected learning model last year in my classroom, and there were no other teacher in my building that was doing the same kind of work. It doesn't mean that we, were, I, we weren't trying to have dialogues across right. the building, but it just wasn't happening. So that was connected learning, what you were doing? Yeah, most definitely. Because? Oh, on so many levels. I mean, we were connected to the community. We were having dialogues. No, but, I'm, but what I'm talking about is, like, if I don't reach to the outside community, if I don't reach across the hall, if I don't reach to another school or another expert, can me and my 32 students absent an internet connection be embodying connected learning. But I'm still, I'm a little confused because what I'm saying is <clears throat> we were using digital tools to connect to our community and tell our stories. We were sharing those stories with people in the community, with other schools. I mean, I'm multiple and various levels, politicians. So, yes, well, I, you asked me if I'm not sharing with someone else in my building, or if someone else in my building is not doing connected learning, is it still connected? But I meant, right? like, if I'm not sharing, oh, and even outside of my classroom, if, I, if, if it is staying in my classroom, what is happening? If it's just staying in my classroom, is that connected? Like, is there necessarily a digital component of connected learning for one piece? 
and does it have to be bigger than a classroom? Either bigger in the sense of connecting with the community or bigger in the sense of connecting mm -hmm. with somebody else in the school. I mean, how is I, that necessary? How I see it is that there's like this hybrid notion of literacy and understanding and engagement that is not just centering whatever is in the class. So when I think of connected learning, I don't, I'm not just thinking of like connecting to bodies and people, but connecting to ideas that might be outside of the classroom. Okay. Right? Or understandings that might be um, happening across various spaces and engaging and centering that inside the classroom. Yeah. Um, which is, is very different from some other classrooms where, you know, what is centered is, you know, the text that was selected by the district that mm -hmm. you were to read on days one through five, and here's the question, but that's not connected. So I think that, like, depending on what you have access to, um, you know, connected learning might look very different. And also different, you know, as you become more engaged with this model, right? You might say, you know, in year one that, like, connected learning, you know, came in the form of, like, this project, you know, on this day that we share with this audience. And like year two, your you know that concept and that idea is easy is evolving, and I think that's an important point to make because I think with teachers sometimes it requires like baby steps, right? Right? Like you can and I've and I've shared you know some of this connected learning stuff with my students at Teachers College, um, you know, and I shared this framework and all these projects and here's the curriculum and they're just like, oh my god, like this is supposed to slow down. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to throw you in so you can kind of see it all at once right. and then. Let's back up and like talk about what this might look like for you, you know, and, and you might might have only delivered like four lesson plans in your life. Right. Or you might just do a tutoring after school program, but like using this idea of connected learning, like how can how can you break this down for you in your context, your first time, you know, so that you can kind of see and feel and experience it for yourself. You know, so because it's really about a shift in it's a it's a paradigm shift. It's a way of looking at education and teaching and learning in a different kind of way. So it sounds like, because this is this was a kind of different way yeah. of getting the idea of, of the definition, is that there is an inherent piece to connecting outside of the classroom. That is, in, like, because... I, I don't know if you would thinking, agree with that, but... I, well, you know, I'm not in the classroom, so I often sort of sometimes abstract this stuff out, but, yeah. like, I... Um, and I think that, so I'm watching, for instance, like a teacher like Joe Dillon in Denver, and he's writing about connected, like watching, he's a coach, so he's watching different classrooms and he's watching different educators and colleagues he's working with. And so he's talking about connected learning, like you're saying, like, oh, I see it here, I see it happening here, I see it happening here, when this teacher shares with this, this network of mm -hmm. teachers, when these kids here are blogging for the first time in this community, when, you know, so it's like these pieces of connectedness. Mm -hmm. And so then I start to wonder what is connectedness, right? Like what is what is it about it? Like is it whatever the size of your community is, getting like stepping out of it for a moment, you know? Like so being able to like just make some connection. So you could be I mean it's just like the Harry Potter thing, right? Like they are making this connection to um, chocolate and um, slavery yet like actually maybe their connectedness also has to be grounded on a different level like they have to sort well of they have to be connected through the texts right, right. like they they found connection in Harry Potter and they found connection with Harry Potter to this slave labor production of chocolate right and all of that is a, it, like you've got a couple of points of connection going on right and so it's a very connected thing but then maybe they actually need to push themselves on some new connections mm -hmm. like people were talking about you know are you doing local activism like how do you you know right so I, it's just 
I'm just thinking like whatever our size is, it might be about sort of like like con like constantly thinking about like how do you connect, mm -hmm. you know? So I but I could imagine in a classroom that there's like a connected thing that you do as a community or you I don't know, that there's like a, there's a def there's a creation of a community that has these kind of that then does something out that, you know, or that becomes a more connected community because you do something internally. Or right. Something, you know what I mean? Well, I, was, I was observing a class the other day, and it was the end of their their time together. <laughs> so it was a quarter-long seminar, and they were talking, saying nice things, like they were complimenting one another, and that was the activity that they were engaging in. And one student had been with this small, like maybe 10, 12 people in this class, and said, what's your name? Oh, seriously? Okay. Danielle. <laughs> no, 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 oh, okay. no. I mean, that's what they said. Right. Like, nine weeks together, group of 10 to 12 yeah, students, yeah. and this kid didn't know the name of the kid who was sitting two people over. Yeah, so maybe the connectedness at that moment is... Right, and so, <laughs> I mean, that's another, I think, like, if we talk about the uh, uh, law of unintended consequences, if we're so busy thinking, how can we connect with the community? How can we connect with this writer how can we connect with this tool maker how can we like are we losing sight of the each other yeah exactly <laughs> like well and your idea of connectedness like might not do anything for my community right you could be coming in and thinking well i'm connecting across all these spaces but it's not needing my needs and right. the needs of my community because i'm just telling you what i think connected learning is you know would you get it has to come back to that question right. of questioning right like, what do you well, mean it's like power sharing yeah. i mean really because i think you know, education systems position students in particular ways. And I think for me, like, connected learning is really powerful in that it, um, and that when you start thinking about what it is, you know, your teacher mind, your teacher, I guess in this case, you know, you're rethinking how you, what your position is in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Facilitator, um, as a knowledge broker, you know, and you start thinking, well, what is my role in this? If this, if, if I'm, you know, even while I'm trying to get my arms around what connected learning is, I'm rethinking, like, what my role is mm -hmm. in the classroom and with, and with students and with community members. And I think that that's, like... Well, and that and that's just how you connect, right? right? Like, how am I connecting? Right. Like, what person am right. I in my right. repertoire of people right. when I'm connecting with right. these these other people? Mm -hmm. Well, it's making me think about... So I was just talking to Paul Allison a little bit about this, but in youthvoices.net... Um, students are so I've heard him talk about this so students are um, you know often uh, finding interests, things of interest or passions of theirs and then doing research and writing and sharing around that in a sort of iterative way right? so they can sort of dig into something they really care about mm -hmm. and, and develop their voice in this community and then um but it's very much tied to being developing your voice within community. Like that's an inherent element of it. You know, you don't just develop your voice to develop your voice. You right. know, it's really much shifted. And so it is a blogger's ethic in that way. You know, mm -hmm. it's like really developing that. Um, hmm. But and as a teacher, then sometimes he's also talked about how you know he'll he'll support they'll support their students in doing this. And, but then sometimes a current event happens and like everybody has to stop and like do this current event. So what's the intersection of like stepping back and like the 
dealing with something that's happening in the world mm -hmm. and then going back to your well, and levels of community membership, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. we are this small community, and we are part of a larger community. And then we step out and we see, and then we go back right. to this stuff that we're, you know. Because who we identify as in the small community is somebody who helps the person who's over there, yeah. not just the people who are right here. And then when I was thinking about that movie last night, did you watch the movie? I did not. Okay. What was the movie? Um, I didn't see it either. I was schooling up. Oh, okay. That was a movie. All right. It was a movie. I just saw it on the, and I thought, well, wow, that's a reception that has a question, <laughs> a question attached to it. That's interesting. <laughs> I've never had an essential question to a social gathering before, but I'm, I'm down with I it. Sort of, I sort of love that idea, actually. Yeah, no, or the right. hashtag for, this is the hashtag for my cocktail party. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you were saying, you were watching the movie last night. Well, there are problems with the movie that, so I could go. Yeah. I thought there were problems with the movie. And did you see it? No, but okay, yeah. Um, well, there, there is a, um, un, I think, unfortunate, um, rugged individualism. And this isn't the only problem, but there's, there's definitely like a that, and whether it's a true um, individual following their path, you know, um, or if it's just that the the way it's framed, it makes it look like you know it's very like this one person's path, mm -hmm. or like it's a very individualistic thing. And I was thinking about um, just how important it is to like follow your path in a larger community, you know, or just yeah. like that. That those juxtapositions right. are so important. And um, and unfortunately, the movie seems to as if there isn't a larger. I I actually think it's false. I think there is a larger community. Is the truth of it, and you just don't see it in the film. So it's sort of this myth of like, you know, just doing Do your, your thing. own thing. Right. And you know. And that really worries me, and that feels very not connected learning to me. Like back to the question of like, what is that? That feels very disconnected. Yeah, and like, who is? I mean, something also, and maybe I don't want to be critical because I feel like sometimes, but. Um, but you're a doc student. That's what we're, I know, I was gonna say. <laughs> what we're trained to do. Well, we had a large conversation yesterday about that, like doc students being overly critical because that's what you're doing all day reading, but. Um, thinking about like you know, even in the opening keynote like teachers weren't mentioned once like in a lot of these larger speakers it's like well who's doing the connecting right you know it's like absent of a facilitator a human body mm -hmm. is it is that is the absence you know really intentional and that we're supposed to insert something else there you know meaning oh they'll find their way right but like Really, I, that was really concerning to me because I'm thinking to myself, like, if we're going to talk something about something that's so relational and, and if we're going to engage people in connection, who is helping young people in particular, like, with this process, you know? And so that being absent was problematic to me. And, and, and young people of color, too, in particular, I feel like a lot of the conversations about connected learning were happening, like, with these smaller conversations at tables and in the hallways, but like there was just, I felt like there was kind of a narrative that wasn't present. Yeah. But again, that could just be me being critical, but that's what I saw was not Well, there, it's, you know? or not even critical, just questioning, right. like where is this piece right. and, and, and where are we supposed to find it? We're talking about civic participation here. Right. You know, I mean, we can talk We've about We've got a civic in institution, institution right. that everyone right. yeah. has some connection right. with. Right. And yet, it's not. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Coney and, and Occup the Occupy movement, but like, a lot of people here. Who but those things go away, but schools seem to be right. here. But there was also a school movement too, right? And we, and there, there's, 
a lot to be said that's wrong. <laughs> and there's also, I mean, in, I don't know. I don't want to be too glib about this, but I do. Sometimes I get to the connected learning principles. I'm like, it's, it does feel so Dewey-in to me. And mm -hmm. like that, that there's, the pro I've learned this from the progressive educators that yeah. I spend time with. Like, uh -huh. I, like we're, we're, we're in this. We yeah. get this. Like, it's, well, know. it's wonderfully <laughs> doing, and it, but Dewey would pick up on the piece that you're talking about, and that is, like, Dewey doesn't say absent of authority. He says you respect the people who have been there before, right? Yeah, you, that the teacher is important as the authority, absolutely. and the, he says the person with the more mature experiences, which I really like, is like a, mm -hmm. is a, is a kind of fermentation of ideas. Um, right. and, and, and I think that's a really interesting... And, and, but, and you're in, but you're informed both ways, right? I yeah. believe. Yeah. Everybody's... I mean, and you need experiences at, right. all, at all levels. You need the adults to have new things that are yeah. driving their curiosity and their experience and mm -hmm. curating the same thing um, for, the, for the students in the class. And, and then, like, also, and, and we kind of danced around this, and Dewey has a different essay where he writes about the difference moving the great society to mm -hmm. the great community. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of what we've talked about. And then when we talk about yeah. community, like... The rugged individualist is part of the society, and everybody's like exchanging these resources and doing the creation of things. But, but are you really seeing the other people as, as community, and are you really connecting and making those kind of connections? And what pedagogical practices need to be in place to support these principles right. on these varying levels? Right. And I think that's something that really, really needs to happen because everybody says it sounds great. This really is nothing new. It is kind of like, I don't know, do we? It's just there is, there right. is knowledge out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and... Well, what can we, how can we, how can we go into these communities that already have a particular knowledge base and understand, you know, in my position as a teacher, what can I gain from the assets that exist in this community so that I can transfer that into an understanding of pedagogical practices that need to be in place right. to be able to work together with my students, for instance, from an asset base. Right. and develop these connected learning environments. Um, I think that that's, that's kind of like the missing piece that I'm really thinking about more deeply. So, I'm going to wrap up this conversation, yeah. but I have two questions for both of you. One, what's something that you're reading right now that you <laughs> think other people should read? And two, where on the interwebs could people find you if they wanted to? <laughs> what am okay. I reading? Um, what am I reading? Um... I've been reading, and I think you might too, a lot of Chris Gutierrez's work. Mm -hmm. um, and what? And I started with her third space work, mm -hmm. and um, and and partly I started reading that because I'm really interested in understanding youth voices, and I'm actually understand I'm trying to understand what what's happening in youthvoices.net, and um, <clears throat> really around how teachers create curriculum and these sort of in third space, in I should space. I should point out is and because we talked about this a little bit, it's because I'm looking at third space too, but I'm looking okay. at the physical third spaces, ah. and Chris focuses on the conversational third spaces yeah. and the relational third spaces, right. and, and what's what's going on in there. Yeah. Okay. And then the um, uh, the semantics work that she presented here, you know, and to me, what feels important about it is this like what she calls the horizontal connection, which is also very rhizomic language, mm -hmm. actually. <laughs> Um, and, and really not having a value around um, knowledge and language and, um, you know, and, and really sort of, like, being able to support people in, in moving between spaces and, and, and language between spaces and connecting those spaces. So, 
Um, so to me, and, and not just using, I don't know, to me the important part too is like not, not using them as ladders or bridges to, new, uh, to other spaces. Again, that would be the hierarchical vision, but really be able to be more fluid. And it just feels to me like a much more um, uh, honoring perspective. Like yeah. I, I just like she presents the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you reading? A lot of things right now. What do you like that you're reading? No, I'm taking two classes. I'm taking um, history of segregation in U.S. schooling alongside it. So a pick me up course, I would. Yeah, imagine. with along with uh, African American literacy course, and so that's really interesting. And thinking about those alongside each other. Um, what would I suggest that people read? And it doesn't have to be uh, education related or academic. I know. Well, I'm getting ready to read. I only read half of your eyes were watching God okay yeah. in my past so I'm really excited to read that um, wow because the second half of that book is really a game changer yeah so yeah. you'll enjoy yeah, that and I meant that to people and they're like what you've never read it or I've never taught it either so I'm really excited I'm to reading read Song it. of Solomon for the are first you time. yeah and that's another one that like you know yeah exciting. and where can people find you online um flipster f-l-i-p-s-t-e-r flipster 33 uh, on Twitter, that's my Twitter handle. Cool. And I'm C Cantrell, it's a little silly, but S-E-E-C-A-N-T-R-I-L-L -L on Twitter. And when I first met you, mm -hmm. and I was like, I gotta find her again, and I found your Twitter, and I couldn't, for a while I was following you and reading what you were writing, but uh -huh. had disconnected you from your physical presence because <laughs> I didn't see the C, right. like I didn't understand what was going on in Twitter, and then it was, Oh, that's who she is. <laughs> okay, Got I'd it. like to think I'm smarter than that, but I really. When I was am a not. kid, I also I always like used to mess up my like play with my name. Okay, so, so this Chris is Cam. You know, I would like yeah. play with the different pieces of it. So. You've got a lot of fun toys. It's in like. <laughs> well, thank you very much for thank having you. this conversation. You've done it. You've finished another episode of Learning Grounds. Thanks so much. Also, thanks so much to New Band Dance Boys Revolution for our intro and outro music, shared under a Creative Commons share-alike attribution non-commercial license, which is the exact same license that we uh, use to, to share Learning Grounds. If you liked us, please find us on iTunes, like us, and review us. Until next time, I'm Zach Chase.